perfect is impossible, so let's strive for better and betterer. Tune in for inspiration and many challenges across the eight dimensions of wellness, emotional, physical, intellectual, spiritual, vocational, financial, environmental, and social. We make wellness fun and attainable so that you can feel awesome and do awesome. And now, your host, Jessica Jake. Hey, everyone. This is Jessica Jake, and I'm here today with Julie Bear, Don't Walk. She's a licensed acupuncturist and a national board certified herbalist. Welcome, Julie. Thanks so much for having me, Jessica. It's so nice to have you on. You have such an interesting practice and also a very interesting name. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my last name is Crow. Um, My husband is Native American and he's a member of the Crow tribe now of Montana. He and I are actually both from Montana. And when we got married, he said, you seriously want my last name? And I was like, my last name is Johnson. There's 2000 Julie Johnson. <laughs> I said, of course, I want your last name. So if there's another bear don't walk, their family, that's, that's the, the brief story. The last name is actually a poor translation from the original Absoraki language, which is the crow's name for themselves. And it's based upon a vision that my husband's great-grandfather had on his vision quest of a very old grizzly bear in a stream who had stiff hind legs, but the, the prophecy was that he would live for a very long, long time to a ripe old age. That's so interesting. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. And your website is Julie Bear Don't Walk, right? JulieBearDon'tWalk.com. That's right. Yeah, so that's very memorable. So- uh-huh. Yeah, so out here in California, we have a bunch of acupuncturists, and my daughter actually got some help with some of the things that were going on with her and really loved it. But could you give us a little lowdown on what acupuncture is, what benefits it brings us? Sure. So acupuncture is a 4,000-year-old system of, of medicine, really, um, that is based upon the observation of nature. And the practice of acupuncture itself is one branch of Chinese medicine, and Chinese medicine is comprised of five different branches. So acupuncture is one piece of Chinese medicine. Acupuncture involves the insertion of super tiny, um, almost hair-like needles into specific points along the body to affect change, to bring the body back into balance. So it's signaling the body like, hey, you know, um, You've got stomach pain, so let's let's calm that stomach down. And there there are specific points on the body that we use to do something like that, for example. So it reminds the body how to live in balance, and that it also reminds the body that it is completely capable of healing. Bodies are wise; they want to work efficiently and they want to be healthy. But sometimes they need a reminder, they need some reinforcement, and they they need some direction on how to do that. So acupuncture is very effective at um, helping the body get back to that state of health and balance. That's great. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things. I know Jade was always looking forward to seeing her acupuncturist. Uh, I've never talked. <laughs> I've always been curious, but that's great. And it really elicits a state of deep relaxation, sort of, um, you know, in our daily lives, we get stressed and that's a state of fight or flight, kind of like, okay, okay, I got to go. And acupuncture actually puts the body into the opposite state, which is a state of rest and digest. And that's where healing takes place. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Because I know when we're so stressed out, it's, it shuts down our immune system. So we're, we're not fighting the things and healing so we're able mm-hmm. to then 
get in that rest and digest. That's awesome. We all need that. Exactly. Uh, that's so cool. And so you said this is one of the five parts of Chinese medicine. What, what are the other four? So the other four branches of Chinese medicine are nutrition, uh, Chinese herbology, uh, Qigong, which is uh, moving meditation, and then um, Twina, which is uh, massage, uh, uh, manual sort of manipulation of the tissue. And so I practice uh, acupuncture, Chinese herbology, I teach Qigong, and then also um, do nutritional counseling. And with the nutritional counseling, we've actually just added that it's so that we can do that remotely. So we do it for patients beyond Lawrence, Kansas, where I'm based. Oh, so that's neat. I like that. So I, I'm at the stage where I wake up at night with hot sweats. And then I was looking at some some integrative medicine articles and, and mm-hmm. looking at foods or what are they called? Adaptogens and trying to uh-huh. eat things. You know, so I'm not taking hormone replacement, but trying to balance things out for myself. So those are the kinds of things that, that you work on as well. With, with Exactly. Yes, precisely. As we age, things start to shift and change, but it doesn't have to be pathological. So we sort of pave that road. So definitely dietary therapy, recommending foods that will help pave that way. And little tiny tweaks. I mean, I love the title of your of your podcast, Better and Betterer, because really that's that's how Chinese medicine works. It's like you make all of these little tiny changes and they add up to huge results. I was always fascinated by Chinese medicine and I love it. So my BS was in biochem. Oh so, yeah. So I love it when you you kind of see that the two worlds coming together and finding out the why, like why it really works, you know, on that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, on that more molecular level. So you you do a lot of blend of East and West as well, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important that those two are in conversation with each other. For example, we actually just started offering food sensitivity testing in the clinic. And that's a totally Western modality. I mean, it's using science and technology to figure out exactly what one's body is reacting to. But then we take that information and apply it to Chinese medicine. So, I mean, I can do a ton working with someone's digestive system in Chinese medicine, but why not use the tools and the technology available to us to get even more specific? Um, you know, it's, it's just helpful to see in black and white, like these are the foods that I'm sensitive to. <laughs> um, or, the, you know, this is sort of the level at which my gut is permeable. And so we've been using those tests in the clinic to then more effectively apply principles of Chinese medicine. So yes, the two, I think the two work beautifully together. So I'm hearing a lot more about the leaky gut, microbiome, uh, prebiotics, probiotics, sensitivity (laughs) tests, um, elimination diets. So if, Mm -hmm. if someone's wondering like, wait, should I be looking into this for myself? What kind of, what kind of symptoms are your clients having that make them call you up? Like what should be on the lookout for to think, oh, maybe this is food sensitivity. Maybe all I need is a tweet. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest clues is uh, digestive health. So any irregularity with the bowels. So either, so sometimes it goes as extreme as IBS symptoms, either constipation or diarrhea, but things are just not moving smoothly through the system. Bloating is another one. And then also headaches, uh, reflux, uh, and then um, any kind of brain fog, 
and uh, unexplained fatigue, like I'm getting enough sleep, but I just don't have any energy. So it, it, you know, it starts with the gut and then kind of spirals out. So sometimes it's joint pain, frequently catching colds, because if the gut is preoccupied, sort of fighting things that are leaking through the gut lining, that stimulates the immune system. The immune system's on high alert just from the foods that have leaked through the gut lining. So if a virus comes around, there are no resources to fight that virus. So a frequent catching of colds and like you just never can seem to fight anything off. Those are good clues to to what a leaky gut is. So those are some of the things that patients will call me for. And then, I mean, in terms of digestion and leaky gut specifically. Right. Does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so because this might be new to some people. I know I'm hearing different terms myself and I'm in the wellness field and, mm-hmm. and a lot on the, the gut brain connection are starting to hear more and more on that. And you mentioned it's huge. Right. So brain fog, I guess, you know, it could be like, wait, what are you talking about? I have these IBS symptoms or this. How could that be related to my brain fog? So can you help us understand that? Yeah. um, So I can explain it from a Chinese medicine perspective, that one of the ways in which we get energy or qi in Chinese medicine is what we call it, is that we extract nutrients from our food. And if our digestive system isn't working efficiently in that capacity, then we're not getting enough energy um, or good quality energy. And when there's not enough good quality energy, it can't rise up to the brain to help it think clearly. The other analogy I like to use is think of a motor and when it's working efficiently, like there's nothing left over, like there's no sludge or anything. It just is burning quickly and efficiently. But if you heard a car with like, you know, um, an impaired motor, it'll kind of rev and maybe there's some oil leaking, that kind of thing. Well, in Chinese medicine, that will show up in what as what we call phlegm or dampness. And if you stick out your tongue and you see a a thick coat, kind of a thick white coat that you're like, I scrape my tongue every morning, but nothing's, you know, it doesn't ever really go away. That's a good clue that that digestion is impaired, um, that things are not working as efficiently as we want them to in Chinese medicine. So having a thick tongue coat is kind of indicative. Like if a patient sticks, you know, I always look at their tongue, they stick out their tongue, I see a thick tongue coat, I kind of know there's going to be some level of brain fog or fatigue going on because there's an accumulation of phlegm or dampness from a Chinese medicine standpoint. And then from that, you know, integrative Western medicine standpoint, that there's something going on with the gut. Wow. Okay. So I I must admit, I just ran over to the mirror and looked at my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Wondering how many people are... (laughs) Wondering how many people are like driving along listening to the podcast, looking at the... Maybe, maybe I'm onto something here. Right. <laughs> and the funny thing is I started taking a, a probiotic recently. I, I really, I always brag that I have the microbiome of a beast, but I don't, I don't know what I'm basically <laughs> I'm like, I really, I have, knock wood, I don't get any type of intestinal issues. Mm-hmm. So I always say, oh, I must have this super great microbiome or something. So, but it recently mm-hmm. was like, um, like you were saying, like that gross white. I'm like, oh, what's the, you know, do I have to get whatever the dentist gives you to scrape your tongue? I was like, what is going on there? And then I had some uh, probiotics and now my tongue looks good. So 
Yep, exactly. It just needs a, a, a boost to help your digestive system process things efficiently. Yeah. 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 So that's worth looking into. It, not necessarily a hard fix if, if you guys are seeing any of these symptoms. Um. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, the brain fog, it's, it's um, in Chinese medicine, what we look at are patterns and how things fit together. So, for example, somebody may come in with some digestive issues and another patient may come in with digestive issues. That doesn't mean they're going to get the same treatment. The treatments are, are highly individualized upon based upon what's going on with that individual patient. So, for example, brain fog with digestive upset, upset with that tongue coating is a particular kind of treatment for the gut. Um, but some people don't have a tongue coat and they have, um, they're just really kind of spacey. So, you might call it brain fog, you might just call it really forgetful. And that might have a totally different treatment that is not as related. It's a little bit related to the gut, but it's related to some other organ systems being out of balance. I love that you look at the whole because that is part of the problem I think we have when we go to the doctors out here that are strictly more westernized is they're just looking at their one little specialty and not thinking about mm-hmm. how it connects. Yeah. No, in, in Chinese medicine is sort of the, the original integrative medicine, you know, that it's been integrating uh, like the whole person for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you studied in Chicago, right? Yes, at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine. Yep. That's amazing. I love it. Jade, my daughter's whole city is Chicago. So I think she actually went oh! there. She <laughs> nice. went there for, they do some kind of a science forum and they stay in the dorms and she had a tour of all the herbs and stuff. So. Um, oh, very cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Great. I'm also very interested to hear more about one of your cornerstones, which is loving kindness and self-compassion. Could you tell us more about that? Yes. In Chinese medicine, everything is connected. So we look at the physical body, but then we also look at the emotional body. And they're not two separate things. It's not, you know, sometimes you clear the gut up and anxiety reduces. Um, But it goes the other way too. You start being kind towards yourself and understanding that signals from your body, such as pain um, or you know irregular bowels, it's just a signal from your body saying, hey, something's up and I want you to pay attention. So if you can approach that with loving kindness, it goes a long way in the healing process. I'm a recovering perfectionist. So um, the, the loving kindness towards oneself is, is very personal for me. And I have just found that the more I practice that, the more the easier it is to take better care of myself and not to do it perfectly but to make an effort every day and to show up and say you know i'm an imperfect human being but i'm just i'm going to try to be betterer and betterer <laughs> every day <laughs> and to do that with loving kindness to i mean i think that in our culture there's such a huge movement towards um self care and i think that's fantastic but um i mean it's absolutely necessary. And it's indicative that our culture is very busy, stressed out. And, you know, there's a reason for for that need for self-care. But I think that it's easy to get overwhelmed with self-care that, you know, that can become your full-time job. 
and I'm a busy mom and practitioner and I, you know, married and I, I do self care, but I try to do it in micro bits. And so the way if I can practice self compassion and loving kindness towards myself, that's the that's the cornerstone of self care to understand like, okay, if I'm just kind to myself, that's a huge checkbox there that I'm, I'm caring for myself. Because that aggression towards oneself is sort of saying, well, I don't accept you. I don't accept you as you are. I don't accept you body, what you're doing to me. I don't accept this headache that I have. And, and it's a struggle. And nothing productive really comes out of struggle. But when you can have compassion for the message that your body is giving you, then some pretty great things can happen, including some really deep healing. I love that. I love the, the micro bits of self-care and I, I love having compassion for the message your body is giving you rather than the struggle because I think you get a headache, you're like, oh, why do I have another headache? And you just go down this path and you call it self-aggression. So can you get a little mm-hmm. more about things that might be going through our heads that we could become more aware of to be like, oh, wait, that's self-aggression. I'm going to extend some compassion to myself right now. Oh, sure. I mean, this is, this is my daily life. <laughs> okay, you get hungry, you forget to eat a snack, or you forget to eat lunch. And then you start kind of going about your day. And you're like, why can't I remember things? Like, why am I cranky? I suck. I suck. Um, I must suck because, you know, I can't remember this, or I'm not doing it well. And it's like, wait a minute, gentle, gentle here, like you're doing the best you can. And you didn't actually give your body any fuel. So let's understand the context and let's try to be gentle and return to the basics, like um, almost kind of treating your yourself like a little child, like like you would treat a small child. Like, do you need do you need some kind words? Do you are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Are you tired? And not that you can, you know, when you're sitting in traffic, it's not like you can just stop and take a nap, but to just name it and bring some awareness to it. There's something um, powerful about just taking a pause and naming where you're at and then having compassion for that of just saying like, okay, I am tired and I'm hungry and it's not the end of the world. Like we'll get some food we'll get to rest a bit, but to recognize the needs that your body has. Um, and I think that when, when there's greater health issues going on, to pause and kind of recognize like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting a signal here. And if I can be kind about it, then, then we can work with it. I like that you said to go gentle, understand the context of what was going on, try to be gentle, return to the basics, become aware of what what's happening um, and respecting that signal more sounds like rather than fighting it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's just, it's information that your body's giving you. And if you can treat that information with, with self-compassion, with compassion and really hear it, then it, it really drains a lot of the emergency or the anxiety around it out. <laughs> it becomes manageable instead of a crisis. Right. This. Great. So how'd you get interested in all of this? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I grew up in a background of trauma. So my nervous system, um, you know, my family, there was a lot of illness in my family, um, mental and physical illness. And so I grew up in a household where, where things were a crisis quite a bit. So growing up, I moved to Seattle when I was 18. And there's lots of Chinese medicine in Seattle. 
but you know, I, I got interested in meditation and the body mind connection. And then I took a detour and worked in the art world for a long time <laughs> because that's kind of how I, I could approach it at that time. And then understood that really my medium, I started graduate school for a program in visual art. And I understood that my medium was really bodies, um, helping people feel better in their bodies. I was always trying to make artwork about that. And I was like, you know, I just want to do that. I just want to help people feel better in their bodies and their lives. And so I dropped out of that graduate program and enrolled in Chinese medicine school. I had some profound results with Chinese medicine for some big hormonal irregularities. I had monstrous PMS and a lot of anxiety and depression. And it helped me see that there were other possibilities. And that, you know, even though it was sort of modeled to me that um, bodies were kind of scary places, like mine didn't have to be. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's so interesting. And we're also lucky that you realize that you should be helping bodies and helping people feel better in their bodies. Thanks for that. I love, I love that you discovered that through experiencing working with art and, and that helped you find your way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So cool. So do you have a challenge for our listeners? I do. I do. So it's pretty simple because I'm a big fan of micro in, like micro intentions. And I really, there's a phrase in Qigong and Chinese medicine that the qi fo follows the mind. Um, so the energy follows the mind and you can do so much with, with your mind. So um, here's my challenge is every day, is it two week challenge? Is that, is that what we're working on here? <laughs> yeah, we usually do two weeks. Okay, great. So every day for two weeks, but I challenge you at a consistent time every day, I try to do it um, when I wake up each morning, write down an intention of how you want to treat yourself. It's just a quick one sentence. And you know, if you're really groggy, um, you can just use a, a word, but it's an intention of how you want to treat yourself and your body and just carry that with you throughout the day. So I try to write little daily goals. And often they're just the same thing, but there's something about the act of writing it down or typing it in the notes section of my phone that that helps me hold it close. And so um, whether it's um, loving kindness towards oneself or I want to get better sleep. And then having that intention sort of opens the door to possibilities that come in. Of like, okay, if, if my intention is that I, I want to get better sleep because that's such a cornerstone of health. Then each day, you know, maybe opportunities will present themselves of like, oh, hey, I came across an article on sleep hygiene or, oh, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to if I want to get better sleep, maybe I'll have some chamomile tea before bed or maybe I'll do some gentle qigong before bed. Like you start putting the intention there and then with that intention, opportunities for action start to come across your field of awareness. So my challenge is every day for the next two weeks, just to write one intention of how you want to feel in your body, in your life, and how, how you want to treat it. Yeah. I love it. I love, I love these terms that you use. Was it Mike before that said something about um, micro, micro bits of self-care and micro intentions? Because um, I, 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 these are great, great ways to put it. Because I think that's where I see it disconnect sometimes strategically or big picture people have these ideas for themselves but when it comes down to the 
minute by minute, second by second, it they they forget they're disconnected. So right. these are beautiful. Um, yeah. So micro intentions. I love it. Great. Where can we find you online? We mentioned the juliebeardontwalk.com dot com, mm-hmm. and that's J U L I E. Where um, it's J U L I E B E A R D O N T. W-A-L-K. There's no apostrophe in the don't for the website. Um, so it's juliebeardontwalk.com. And then on Instagram, it's juliebeardontwalkwellness. And Facebook is juliebeardontwalk, acupuncture and integrative health. Nice. We'll put those links in the show notes. It oh, will be so up much. At- Thank you. Yeah. So we'll put a whole bunch of links in the show notes because you'll definitely want to check out Julie Bear Don't Walk online and follow her all over the social sphere and check out her challenge. So this will be up at betterandbetterer.com slash 15. So everybody, till next time, I want you to get better and better at your loving kindness and self-compassion and micro-intentions for yourselves. Julie, thank you so, so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jessica. It's been a delight. Yes, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Show notes are online at betterandbetterer.com. Find a buddy to try out this episode's challenge. We want to hear how it goes. So hit us up on Instagram at betterandbetterer.